0: Houston, we are go for launch in T-minus 30 seconds. Every day I become a better operator, whatever it is, and it happens. Why? Because I don't take time off. We are green on all engines, sir. I only knew one way, and I knew the right way. Initiating launch countdown.
1: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 3, 2, 1. The Service Rocket Podcast has good liftoff
0: welcome to the service rocket podcast hosted by Victor the Rocketman man Gore. please enjoy the ride all right everybody welcome to the service rocket podcast episode number six I have an exciting guest on today she is a badass in, in the industry uh, you know obviously the women need to have a big spot in this in this place and Ellen she's taking this she's taking the reins and and uh taking it by the drain, I guess, what you will we'll call it. So uh, my guest today is Ellen Rohr with Zoom Drain. She's the president of Zoom Drain, uh, of the whole Zoom Drain franchise. Ellen, welcome to the episode.
1: Thank you, Victor. I love you. I'm so happy to be here and visit with you. You represent awesome. everything I love about this industry, right? You're young, you're fearless, like, let's go, go, go. You see the honor in it and the opportunity. I, I, I get inspired uh, listening to you, and I, I'm just so excited to be on a, a guest today.
0: Awesome. Well, we are excited to have you on, and and this is something that I, you know, I really care about a lot. And this, you know, obviously is bringing up the the women in this industry because there are some badass women, and and especially for me as someone that has a woman general manager, woman COO, uh, women are big in my in my business because without them, you know, I feel like you know most of us guys would fall apart. You know, especially without your wives. And I think what you have built is is fantastic. So I kind of want to jump into the story, but first I kind of want to figure out. Where did you start, right? Like the most, most women in this industry, they're like, they, they want to know where to begin. How do I become a president of a, of a large organization? How do I become the general manager? How do I become the COO? Uh, so let's kind of get a little bit of your beginning and kind of start there and we'll work to where you're at now.
1: I, yeah, I married a plumber. That's how I got into it. My When I was a kid, we called people. My dad wasn't handy. I didn't know anything about this. I thought you flushed the toilet. It was a miracle. You turned on the light. I never, you know, electricity happens. The internet's I never gave it a thought. And then I married my husband. His name is Hot Rod. So, you know. You gotta marry a guy like that. What's your name, baby? He says Hot Rod. So I married him and he's a plumber. So um oh this God. is this is my introduction to his world and his friends. And they they were just the coolest guys. They were real no nonsense, it works or it doesn't. No BS. Like I just loved what they knew how to do, the way they thought. You know, I I had just it opened up a world to me. I would ride along with him and I'd go bring lunch to the jobs and I'd just see these things go up. You know, we did a lot of Uh, um, uh, unprofitable new construction in the day. But what it taught me is drains and vents and, you know, how the thing is built. I was just absolutely fascinated with it. And my career arc really started there and has the, the thread through the whole thing. Victor has been a deep love and appreciation of tradespeople. I don't know how to do any of it. If I picked up a wrench, I'd need a channel locks, I'd need two hands. Like I, I kind of have an idea of how the tinker toys fit together from a conceptual standpoint, but I have no common sense and no skills that would translate to me actually write, riding in a track and, and uh, working on a job. But what which I've is, done over, uh, yeah, is, but what I've done is ride along, and that's yeah. how I got to know like what they do and appreciate it so much.
0: You know, I think it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, you know, everybody thinks that you have to be a HVAC Mm -hmm. contractor, a plumber and all this stuff to be able to run these organizations. And, and it's funny because I've actually found that the guys or girls that are the most successful weren't that they weren't the fix a guy. They, they kind of just, they learn how to run a business and how to make money. Cause I, you know, I came from, you know, service champions with Leland Smith and Leland doesn't know how to fix an air conditioner. Leland ain't going to go out and (laughs) freaking isn't going to go out (laughs) until 10 10 o'clock at night and go fix somebody's AC in the middle of the night but he's an accountant by trade. So he understood mm-hmm. the numbers and then he understood people. Um, so what is your background? Is your background in the number side or you want to kind of explain, you know, obviously you married a plumber, so that's great. You yeah. figured out a trade, you figured out something there, but there's obviously something behind that, right? Behind how you think and, and stuff like that. You want to kind of dive into that?
1: Sure. So what happened is like I was the classic struggling mom pop shop. I quit my real job, come work with my husband and we're hating each other. I would say, you know, we don't have enough money and he would hear, I'm not good enough. I'm not working hard enough, you know? And I mean, I I can feel the energy every time I say it, I can feel the energy of so many husband and wives looking at each other right now. Like, yeah, been there. So, um, what happened is I am a Frank Blau disciple. Do you know who Frank Blau is? Yes. Okay. So he's like a legacy, um, uh. Uh, He's an icon in the industry because with me and with so many others and now multiple generations of people, he was the one I wrote him a letter. He had he had um, put an article out in 1989. He wrote a column called How Much Should a Contractor Charge? And I read the article and I wrote him a letter and said, please help me in the first paragraph and then spent two pages telling him why he was wrong. I can't charge that in my neighborhood and flat rate won't work. And my guys will never do it. And my customers are cheap and blah, blah, wine, wine, all that nonsense that I make fun of people yeah. about. I did all that. And then Frank Blau, Frank Blau called me. And the first words he said to me were, honey, you have your head so far. And he described where my head was. <laughs> and I hung up on him crying like this was our, this was the beginning of our relationship. And the next day, Hot Rod's like, you got to call him back. We don't know what we're doing. Okay. So I'll call him back. And I did. And me, he took me under his wing like so many others. Like he's, he's, uh um he's 93 now wow. and still, still chewing people out. God bless him. But he's the one. He is. He's just so great. And he, um he's the one who, um, really painted the picture for, for those of us who decided to break out of this poverty-based industry and just charge what you needed to charge. And it took me a hot minute. I was scared. I finally hit the point where, um, uh, I was fine going out of business. I wasn't okay being broke and I didn't want to live this life anymore. So I quintupled my prices and thought there, see, won't work. And it just, did. We got out of debt as fast. As, I mean, there's no substitution for being priced right. I don't care what your strategy is, what your plan is. If you're not charging enough money, you're not going to make it. You have to be premium priced. And I see you shaking your head like you're on the same page mm-hmm. with this.
0: Well, you know, obviously I didn't grow my business just magically by charging that being the cheapest in the market, right? Like people yeah. are like, well, how do you grow your business so fast? Well, you have to price accordingly. And, you know, I was just, I was just telling you, I just acquired a plumbing company about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes away from me, 44 years in business. They went from the, the dad and his son in the truck trying to fix everything forever. And then finally they were, they were on time and materials all the way up until last year. Okay. So time and materials, wow. not making any money. Uh, they started getting more into best practices. Started charging a little bit more money over the last year, and they saw a little bit of change. Well, I took over the business two weeks ago, and and I almost doubled the prices again. And they're like, "Dude, we can't sell this shit." I was like, "No, no, no, no." They weren't doing any financing, so like they were they weren't financing. But they, like, my my customers can't afford it. I was like, "No," because they don't have that much cash. We have to finance these things. Like they're like, well, "We can finance it." Mm-hmm. In the last two weeks, all of a sudden, we got financing in there. They're selling these projects. They're so like, "You can charge as much." I'm like, "Yeah," because no one has ten thousand dollars laying around fifteen thousand twenty thousand dollars laying around now we finance in it and it's crazy because now they're like all of a sudden they're like we can't make any money to oh shit we're gonna make a lot of money and it's crazy seeing the, the the light bulb go off in these people's heads so you deal with contractors all over the country obviously with zoom drain franchises and stuff are most of the people that are buying your franchises are they current plumbing companies or are they just people just hey i'm looking for a franchise to buy
1: yeah, well, it, it, it's both. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the evolution. But going back to like the, the previous question, just to wrap that up, my experience with Frank Blau put me firmly in this skill set that I figured out how to read and use financial reports under Frank's tutelage. And then just like, it was like being born again. How do I not know this? I am a college educated woman. I've been in, how do I not know? I was like, I was preaching. And so I built my career really on helping mom pop shops, figure out their asset from their elbow. I wrote a few books. Where did the money go? How much should I charge? Weekend biz plan, bare bones biz plan. Just the idea of like, here's some basics to put into place. I I am not a master. I am a generalist, but the two areas that I have some expertise in are on the financials. Now, you know how it is when you get bigger. Now we have investors and we have spreadsheets. It still comes down to profits and cash. Every yeah. day, profits and cash is how you add value to a business. It's where your wealth is going to come from. It's where your bonuses and your the money to invest in another business. All of it comes down to profits and take it in cash. And so those basics have served me my whole career. I had a stint with Benjamin Franklin, the punctual plumber. Here's how you get the title of president. You're the first one in. You're the first one I in. I was the first employee at Benjamin Franklin. So I said, I'm the president. And, <laughs> and was I... And just like career wise, to, career advice to the sisters, just say yes, even if you're unqualified. If it's something you want to do. I mean, how many times have you been in over your head, Victor?
0: Um, I just pretend. So I'm still pretending every day that I know what I'm doing. So it's pretty much every day I'm in over my head. But you every just got to act like you belong
1: act like you belong, act as if, and you know, it's this emperor's new clothes thing. Like nobody has it all figured out. Jim Abrams. And this is my connection with, with Leland Smith. You know, these guys are old school and they know each other. And Jim Abrams is the one who, who um, uh, you know, he taught me these basics. He said on the day we sell this company for a hundred million they ended up selling it for twice that you know when they they uh, were sold to direct energy and then authority brands i mean i'm really proud of my little piece of history as as part of that that um uh, entity but he said on the day we sell it for 100 million there's going to be a dozen things deeply wrong with it like so get over it it's never perfect it's never done but does it generate profits and cash is really you know this guiding light and that had a big impact on my philosophy and on my practices but over and over again i have just um made friends i am someone who is friendly i'll make friends i'll call somebody up i'll call you up i'll ask questions i'd like to get um in front of a room and hear what other people are saying because then i'll stay and listen to the other speakers like i just i've been to a hundred hundreds of shops i've talked to thousands of contractors so overall i just keep absorbing um, things. So I listen, I document, I disseminate, and I redo it over and over and over, but I've never actually turned a wrench, right? I'm just yeah. the one who's going to facilitate the growth of this company. And that's where you find a very valuable career
0: arc. Hey guys, I hope you guys are enjoying the Service Rocket podcast. This is your host, Victor Rancor. Exciting news, we had some tickets open up for the Service Rocket Growth Summit. It's October 20th through 22nd in Resort World Las Vegas. You're gonna wanna be there. We have some of the best owners, operators, trainers, and motivators in the country all in one place coming together to help you guys grow your business, grow your sales, and hopefully grow in life. So if you haven't got a chance, yet, go to servicerocketnetwork.com. Go ahead and get signed up today. Cannot wait to see you guys in Vegas. I think it's, you know, a lot of times contractors, they don't want to step out of their comfort zone. They don't want to ask questions. And there's so many, there's so many good people. Cause I remember when I first started, I was real nervous to ask people or really nervous to go learn from other people. And also had an ego. Like I didn't need to go learn from other people. I know best. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you realize how many great people are in the trades and how many great people that have already done it. They're like, Hey dude, I don't want you to go through the pain that I went through. And and I think I have that, I have that conversation a lot. There's like, I had a, a, he's now a partner of mine. I had a conversation with him last year and I said, look, dude, you're going to be out of business in a year if you don't fix this. And I went over his financials and I'm like, this is what's going to happen. No, no, no. I got it figured out. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I said, okay, cool. I'm going to see you next year, but I already know you're going to be in a bad position. And he didn't want to tell anybody, didn't want to talk about it. Finally, he calls me like a month ago and he's like, hey, this is what's going on. I'm like, dude, you're like almost out of business. Like you got to think this hat, like you have to, this light switch has to go off. So talk about that too. So like, obviously there's a lot of things that people can tell you, right? Like, hey, I'm doing this, this and this. How are you able to absorb it and then obviously implement it in your business? Because obviously there's, you know, a lot of people could talk, right? Even at my event, people are going to talk on stage and tell you all this wonderful shit. But then you go back home and you don't implement anything. So how do you make implementation part of what you do?
1: Oh, this, this is such a good conversation. I just love you. All right. So, um. The way we're growing, I'm going to dovetail it with our last question too. So the way we're growing our franchise, the way we originally started is I called my friends. So I called Ray Grimeau, uh Ray the plumber on Long Island. I had worked with him as a consultant. I absolutely adore him. I said, I'm starting this new concept. And he's like, I'm in, I want to do it. So he comes on board. So he's a contractor. Doing plumbing and heating, and he adds up, we call it plus play. He adds Zoom drain as another department, another business, another vertical, and he's part of the team. And our original franchisee, Sam Marciso up in Long Island uh, um, New England, was our second one. And they're they're tracking um uh six million in sales this year and uh, just like going like this. So excited for them. So these guys, my the original Zoom franchise partners, Jim Cornity was a a uh, consulting client of me and Al Levy, who was our original partner as we got started. And I got my friends together and Jim had a very franchisable business. So we decided to take Zoom Dream. He, he already had the name. He already had the systems. Al was already working with him. So we got the systems really tight there. And then we attracted people who were also doing contracting. Now we've expanded to the point where just like you will with your service text, you need some experienced guys for safety, so you don't hurt yourself so that you can ease into this. And there is an advantage to having people who know nothing about your industry, like our service technicians, the scalability of Zoom Drain is based on never ever coming to Zoom Drain and we'll teach them how to be drain techs, right? So the same with our franchises, we have really valuable experienced contractors in our group And the class of 2022 are not contractors, but they come from really interesting backgrounds, but they don't, I said to to someone, so they don't know better. And and one of my franchisees says, no, no, they don't know worse. That's what we don't want to do is we don't know worse. So someone who comes like one of our franchisees has a very robust Amazon delivery service business. He knows logistics. He knows trucks. He's got a hundred million trucks over there. So he's a guy whose skill set is really going to be of service to us. But he doesn't know drain, so he's going to do it the Zoom Drain way. So now we're with our franchises. We're capitalizing on great people with interesting skill sets, bringing them to the party. As Stephen uh, Covey says, "Run with your strengths and organize to overcome your weaknesses." Like, I'm not looking to add uh, areas that I'm weak at. I'm in my 60s. I'm like bait. What I can (laughs) do is figure out who's better than me in all of these areas and coordinate and collaborate. You know, um, uh, right before we got on, one of the the things you and I were talking about is like, you're really gotten to be a big company. You're probably in the 0.001% of contractors with, you know, operating in 14 states, four locations just in California, acquiring companies. Um, When we did a survey once upon a time at one of the magazines I worked with, you know, you fill out the little card, how many people are in your team, right? So they give you the free subscription. This is why they do it so they can get some data about the industry. And 80%, what we found out at the time, 80% of all um, home service and commercial service contractors were three or fewer trucks. 80% of them were one man bands. Highly fragmented industry to this day. And so yep. to get to the fourth track, you're in the 20 percentile fifth track. You're like five percentile. So what does that mean? One is most people I talk to have dreams of growing big companies, but they don't do it. So why not? One is that they don't understand the money. They don't understand that you have to price now for mistakes you're going to make later you know, that they don't get priced right. I think there's no overcoming that. And that's thanks to, to Frank and, and my partners. Then the other thing, and this is thanks to Al and all the other great mentors I've had. I'm Dozens and dozens of people who have mentored me. Um, it's the systems because you have to be willing to not get in the truck. You have, even if you know how to get, how to do it, you have to get out of the truck. And that's so hard. I know that's a top, that's a really common topic on podcasts and on, on stage. It's,
0: it's still difficult for me. Like, you know, obviously on my background, like I was a technician, I was a sales guy, like, and, and now I run this business and I'm like, it's hard for me. Like even now, like. To not just go get in the truck because I I know no matter how much I train my guys there's never gonna be a better sales guy than me in my in my organization I well, I hope so one day I hope I have one but I just feel like it's just so it's so hard for me and I'm like and I feel like a lot of guys don't realize it like a lot of business owners they'll get out of their truck but when shit gets a little sideways or something weird they jump back in their truck and they think they're going to go save everything and but that actually sets your business back even farther right because what's happens is now you go run the call guess what happens to your top sales guy if you go sell a call and he doesn't sell one today what do you think happens to that guy
1: you, he robbed, gets pissed. Him. you yeah. robbed him you robbed him
0: you stole my he stole my money he took all the easy he took the easy call gave me the shitty ones and now i don't make any money for my family today mm. and that's the conversation i have with a lot of people i said look he's like oh i'm going to go run calls today i'm like you can't I said no matter what, you gotta fix whatever the process is that's broken because if you keep go run the keep going and run those calls, all that's gonna keep going inside your guys' head is like this guy is taking the calls that, that are mine, that should have been my money. You're gonna mess him up for the next couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden your business is gonna go worse. So, so good. It, but it's now, di- it now, is in, in this
1: though, but now if I did have the skill set that you have, and my partner Jim is like that too. He's very good at everything he does, he's super detail oriented. Former military guy, you know, like he is, he's got everything. He he's observes everything. So it is painful. You go in the truck and you see the missed opportunities and you see this, and you don't want to jump in. But you riding along is so powerful. Like yeah. what like imagine if if you pick a service tech today and you go for a ride along, Victor, what's the first thing he's gonna mention when he gets home tonight?
0: Guess what? That I went with the boss,
1: yeah. The, I went with the boss. And what is the person waiting for at home? Gonna say,
0: that how did how did it go? They're gonna ask, you know, did you learn anything? Right? Gonna, that's are, you in, are, oh, are, are you, you in trouble? Are oh are you in trouble?
1: Are you in trouble? Like it it happens so infrequently, and it's so often associated with some bad news that we hear from the boss that a lot of times the next question is why did you do something wrong? Are you in trouble? What's happening? So like, just even consider that dynamic. I like that you said the opposite because you probably have a good culture cooking to even go in that direction with your thoughts. We want it to be a cool thing. Like if that, if you or I go on a ride along, it's how can I help? What rocks are in the road? What do you need? What's the one thing I could share with you today that might make your life easy and more uh, more profitable? Like what can we do to help you today is really what we want to have happen. And for me, oh, it's been it's been humbling sometimes to ride along. I'll say, what do you hate about what we ask you to do? Well, you have to enter this here and this here and this here. Why don't you just combine it. And you just see these really obviously dumb operational things that we're asking them to do that you're like, I'm sorry, let me get rid of that. Or here's why we have to do it, at least for now, you know, until Service Titan can help us do something better.
0: Yeah. And 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 a lot of times you have that conversation because you're, you're out there, you don't realize it, right? Like you don't really like, even for me, like I didn't realize how repetitive our contracts were, our paperwork. So every time they sold a job, we were doing this, 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 and it was all completely repetitive. And they're like, dude, it takes me an extra 45 minutes. And that 45 minutes, I could be out making more money. So little stuff like that you can pick up doing ride-alongs, or you know maybe your your employees don't understand the why behind why you do things, right? Why do we do our process this way and not this way? So and no good. matter how much you can't hold their hands the entire day. So they're when they get out there, they do they 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 might do the process a little bit, but they might skip the little bit that makes that makes that cake, right? And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you go out there and they're like, oh, I get it now. I see why you're asking that question there. And now I can see why, what it did with that customer. And it, it could just flip that switch or just reset them. Because in the HVAC industry, like plumbing is pretty much year-round, right? H- mm-hmm. HVAC, we have summertime is like we make our lion's share. That's the easiest time in the world to sell. A drunken monkey can sell in the summer. So what happens like this, as soon as it starts cooling off, Those guys that might have had great processes in April and May, their processes went to shit for three months because everything was so easy to sell. All of a sudden, come fall, it's hard to sell again because they're skipping steps in the process. They're not asking the right questions. It's not 100 degrees outside. So they're like, then they start freaking out like, oh, I'm getting all the bad calls. It's like, no, you just forgot the process. And that's something like, so usually like end of September, October Mm -hmm. is when we do a lot of training, a lot of ride-alongs training and stuff like that just to get the guys' mindsets right because in, in HVAC, we only, we have like, four months of just super easy sales and then it becomes difficult again does that make sense
1: it's so good and what i what i want to underline about what you just said is even guys who use systems who are really good well trained understand it all they can fall off the wagon so you just have to go back to the the processes so if you have new kids who don't have it yet and then they start to get good. We can think that, oh, they're good forever. We don't have to yep. pay any attention. And then that's the guy whose keys are on your desk one day and you're like, what? I thought he was happy here. How did I miss him? You know, that, that it's this constant thing. I think one of the, um, the lessons that I'm relearning because I've been here before relearning is that um, our franchisees really have so much to offer each other. Our team members have so much to offer each other that the seasoned guy buddying up with the new kid, new kids buddying up together, we've had some success putting two newly graduated apprentices together because they feel safe not knowing it all and they can kind of help each other out. But this idea that um, it's not just top driven, it's organic and that if we spend some time sharing the why, like why we're doing this, what makes your, your, you know, your heart sing, what's the the thing that gets you out of bed every day is it that, you know, part of it's the competitive nature. Part of it's the, the honor and the glory of the trades, helping a brother out live a good life. Maybe in our case, you don't have to go to college necessarily, and you can make really great money. And here's a, you know, recession-proof, pandemic-proof, season-proof job, you know, that can turn into a career for you. All of these things drive us. And when you do spend some time sharing what's in your heart mm-hmm. like that, then some of the details just get a little less thorny and the team members will figure them out for you. Like I always say, your frontline knows what the problems are and knows how to fix them. Why don't you ask them? Why don't we talk to those guys and find out, well, here's a problem or here's something I found with the workflow or they're just smarter than me. And um, when I fail is when I fail to do that.
0: Yeah. It's, and I, I think that's something that happens in a lot of organizations. It happens to me too, because obviously I do, I'm doing a million different things. So I always get, I'll get distracted and it's hard for me because when I get distracted, it's like anything, if you don't focus on it, then it, it obviously the kids, if you're the, if the cats are, or what's the, what's the saying? What's like, when the dad's the, away, the, the kids are or the,
1: the cat's away. The mice yeah. will play. When yeah, the cat, when the cat the cats it. away, the mice will play.
0: And, and I <laughs> and I run into that a lot because I'm trying to do so many different things, and then you know I come back and it's like fuck, I got to go try to reel it back in. No matter what processes I put in place, if you're not, if there's not someone there driving it every mm-hmm. single day, then you start having issues. And and I get to that, and I'm like, and I get mad, and I'm like, it's not their fault. It's my fault. It's just human nature. Human nature is the, is, is the not is to do the easiest possible thing, right? Any easiest possible thing you can get away with is human nature for most people. It's not for you know for self-starters, but for a lot of people, that's how it is. Or so I Or are I have, you noticing?
1: Was- like, are you noticing? People want to be noticed. Like, does it matter if oh, yeah. I wear the uniform or not? Like, does anybody care? What's the point? And if they're not looking and they're not noticing, I might as well play my own game. Um, uh, what you just said reminded me too that my partner, Jim Crenity, has a quote I really loved. I said, like, What happened to you? Because when he and I first met, he was up to here. He was burnt out. He hated his guys, like hated them. He thought they were all trying to sabotage him. There was no real culture happening. And his directive, when when Al and I first started working with him, is let's fix this enough that I can sell it and I want out. And then what happened as he went through the process of talking to the guys, working on the manuals with them, riding along with them, getting to know them, he said to me, it was never them; it was always me. And I no longer blame my employees for my failures. Now, what yeah. a great evolution! And, and now, everything we do is really designed to help them find careers and maybe pass to ownership and you know meaningful uh, jobs and positions. Like we don't want to be the executives forever. We're looking for this next tier of of people to come and and take our jobs. And boy, is that an exciting prospect!
0: You know, and a lot of people are so like a lot of business owners are so scared of that, right? They're scared of their people leaving. They're scared of them go start the business. And, you know, I've had, I'm about to have my fifth employee leave and go start their own business. And the other four have been wildly successful. They're all making great money. They're growing great businesses, and that's more. I would be more proud of that than anything else. Like, you know, the one thing, like Leland, he won't talk to me. Like he blows me off, and I'm like, dude, like I'm. I always I'll text him and say thank you for everything, blah blah. That's not his memo. He he would rather us his ex employees just fucking burn and go away. That's just his what it is. And for me, I'm like the opposite man. I'm calling my old employees. Like, hey, how are you guys doing? How's everything? How's business? Can I help you guys with anything? And I would rather have better competitors. I'd rather have better. Employees and and I I wish them the best rather than the other way where it's like no hell no I want everything to myself I'm a hoarder right and yeah. uh, that's, that's something that has always kind of stuck with me and that's something like I want to be able to do because I would much rather my employees leave and be a great competition than leave and be the guy that's undercutting all our jobs you know just being the cheap guy or whatever it is that's not the competition you want.
1: And I'm older, right? So what I've seen is this all comes full circle again. You may end up buying that company. They may end up buying you. You don't know what side of the table you'll be sitting on. And to me, it's like, you know, why bother? I'm not saying I get along with everybody I've ever met before. And I've had some some relationship challenges. Everybody has. But overall, I'm just about the love. What difference does it make? You know, it just seems like if we just leave people with a path back Um, if we add love and forgiveness every day, I just do better. I don't like to have the, I know there's some people who are mad at me and I get it, you know, just for whatever happened or whoever the, the, the parting of the ways went, but that's not where you build a life or a business for me that those are the loses.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm, I feel the same way. So we have Zoom drain. Obviously, you guys are growing quickly. And I saw I heard you say earlier, right, like you're you guys are taking people from other walks of life, other trades, and training them how to do drains. You want to talk a little yeah. bit about that and how powerful that's been with your business?
1: Well, this and this goes back to Al Levy one oh one. I mean, uh first off, here's the best tip I can give. I do not tolerate trash talking employees. So when people say you can't find good people out there or kids today don't know how to work, I think, well, I wouldn't work for you if I was a kid today. And I'm going to take advantage of the way you're talking about people and make a welcome home for them. So, like, first of all, start with an assumption that kids today are awesome, that people are looking for meaning. And a good job and a career perhaps and a way to support their family and buy nice things and do what they, I mean like let's just start from the assumption that there's great people out there. Someone will say I can't find great people and I'll say there are 2 million people in your market area and you can't find 5 do you think it's them or you? So like really take responsibility for the energy you're putting out there in terms of what your belief about mankind is and watch your words, watch your words A- and act as if even if you think it don't say it because you're just putting power into that nonsense you can't find anybody well great you could be right about that or you could be rich so knock it off so start from there <laughs> then um what al levy did is is um he really impressed in me this idea that we could fight over the few trained great skilled guys that are out there but they're all aging out i heard some huge number The other day on a podcast, someone said, how many people are dying or leaving their businesses in the trades right now? Because they're old. And how much work then is abandoned that we could go get. Right. There's a lot of work that's being abandoned every year by people aging out or or just moving on in the industry. So one, there's acquisition opportunities and there may be great places to get a seasoned guy to come and work for you. But the scalability of your company really depends on your willingness to take 100% responsibility Mm -hmm. for training them. So that means writing the manuals, exhausting, absolutely exhausting life sucking work to sit down sometimes and just write or have somebody write. You know, I got a couple tips for that, uh, you know, to get your manuals written one by a franchise two, join a, you know, a group or get a consultant like Al to help you with it. Like it's there's some work involved in getting those manuals done. We have a hundred man years in our manuals. That's how much time is in our manuals and they're great now. Right. Yeah. So you got to get manuals because you need some curriculum to train them on. And then you assume they don't know how to use a tape measure, don't know uh, what a channel lock is. you know, you assume that these things are new. Now, if someone has a propens- uh, an affinity for mechanical things, they like working on their car, they like Lego, you know, things like that would be good to know, because that might make a technician likes working with his or her hands. Yeah. I would say yeah. that um um going back to your original thing, though, just as I'm saying it, it heart it's heartbreaking to me. I think at this moment we have one woman technician out of all of our locations. And even the people I know who are kicking butt hiring women don't have more than five or 10 percent of their workforce as women. So we have so much to work to do there, Victor. That's driving me a little crazy.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, you know, obviously I've, I've been in the, in the trades now for about seven years and i've worked with with great women i've worked with great women salespeople. i've worked with great women technicians and and it's just they they don't it comes back to the training right like training them how to do it and then also getting them to buy in on why they're doing it uh Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not an easy job right it's not it's not a glamorous job going to be a plumber or being an hvac technician and working 14 hour days sometimes and all that stuff doesn't sound glamorous but you know a lot of these a lot of women want to be able to take care of their families they want to be able to learn and a lot of guys just have to give them the opportunity to come in the door, right? Because they 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 belong in a lot of different positions. Like you know, my general manager started as a uh, she started as a call center rep, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know she was
0: an over she was an overqualified call center rep. She had accounting background and all this other stuff. I had no idea. I just she applied for a call center rep position, hired, her, and I got to kind of see like stuff. She gets taken, you have taken on more, taken on more. And now she's, you know, she's obviously I brought her in as a GM with no experience being a GM. So at that point you have to understand, like you have to train it. So a lot of times I'll still get frustrated because I'm like, you don't know that. She's like, I've never been in a fucking technician before. Like you got to help me. And she's like, and, and that's a lot of it comes down to the, to the people that are leading and being the trainers. And, and I get mad all the time. And I'm like, why don't you guys do this? I'm like, they're like, we've never seen this before. We've never worked at a large organization. We've never worked at a, you know, $20 million business. And you're trying to expect us to know this stuff. And I think as leaders, we don't, we think that everybody knows what we know. And Mm -hmm. it comes back to those manuals. Right. And and even for me, like I struggle to write down what, how I want things done, when I want it done, things like that. And it's all it is, is kicking the bucket down the road. Because if you don't stop, you don't write it down. You don't document it. All it's going to be is frustration, 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 and, you know, I've ran into it plenty of times and I still run into it today because it's, it takes a lot of time to write your stuff down, especially as a, as an entrepreneur, you're busy all the time. Hire someone like Al, hire someone to bring them in and to have them write it down and just maybe start documenting what you what you do every day. So someone else can take it off your plate because I've, I run into the same thing still, uh, which is, you know, embarrassing to say, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah. It is what it is. I'll tell you, here's a really practical, very mundane tip for you if I'm communicating something to someone and they're not writing, I stop talking. Where's your notebook? Where are you going to put that? How are you going to remember this? We're all too old to remember stuff. So like a verbal communication is merely a suggestion. No one can hold you accountable for that. So if you do want it done, it has to go on the calendar. It has to go on the notebook. It can be electronic. My latest, uh, my latest uh, tool is I got a remarkable tablet now. And, uh, you know, so I I am working on my personal discipline, the skills it takes to stay organized. Um, You could also have someone videotape you, you know, you know, videotape like that's such an old lady thing. Record you. (laughs) (laughs) There's no tape, Ellen. Okay. there's a, you know, get your phone out and record you doing something and then um, you do it and they write it and then convert it to text or t- you know otters you could are do the, at, the yeah right? you could talk you can to text, talk text and they can trans
0: they can transcribe it for you and do all that yeah. stuff
1: like those like that seems like really obvious and simple but we bypass a lot of opportunities day in and day out to just use those tools to help us get stuff written down and yeah. just, it's just discipline right just the <laughs> discipline to do it so we've gone from grand picture to like you got to get a notebook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so with that obviously you know circling back to the bringing people bringing technicians in from outside the trades obviously it's important you have to have great tradesmen in your business already because you the blind can't lead the blind right like that if you have the if you have somebody coming in to train a new technician and that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing it's going to be an issue so when you guys are bringing new people in you know what is your training process how long does it take for them to come in as not knowing much to becoming a drain tech for zoom drain
1: Well, one of the cool things about doing just drains and I am a niche girl. I really like having a, you know, narrow, deep path here. We start with um, the cables and the jetter and the locator and the camera. So basically they've got to learn four tools and they're all packed into our super trucks and the trucks match the manuals and the trucks are all the same. So, you know, setting the stage where you have the, the, um, Uh, concrete concrete tools. And then we have the abstract of the manuals. So the abstract is like written words. And you know, if someone's a really great technician, if you run into this, they may not be a good test taker. They may have attention deficit challenges. Are you relating to this at all? I mean, I see this all the time.
0: So I went through I went through uh you know service champions training. I didn't know anything about being a technician and I pretty much failed the class. Like I was falling asleep in the class. I think they were like they only pushed me through because I was a good communicator. But otherwise I'm like, dude, I it just I couldn't study. I have a hard time studying. I have a hard time. I'm actually pretty good at tests, but I suck at studying. And I remember going through the training, and they're like, dude, like you gotta get your shit together. And I'm like, dude, this shit's so boring. I can't sit in class all day. Like let me go in the field and learn. And it's I think that's a lot of people in the trades. It's like, dude, the class stuff is is, is mundane and it's not exciting and it's really hard for them to learn that way. Um, is there a lot of your stuff in, in the field or are you guys mostly in the classroom when you're doing your training?
1: Well, ideally it would be um, like as a teacher, you want to present information from an auditory standpoint, visual standpoint, and then hands-on kinetic. So you're also working with your hands. So we want to do all of that. So there are going to be manuals that you read and sometimes you read aloud. It's also good because you can get a, a a, a read on whether or not that guy is functionally literate or literate in English. Like these are things yeah. like we should pay attention to. Are we expecting to read stuff and they don't really know how to read very well? That that's something that we could help with and make you know make your training um accessible to people who might need help with English as a second language or um Uh, you know, just with whatever learning um, challenges that they might have. So there is the manuals, but right now um, we have, you know, we like to build out a training center, although you could use your own plumbing or your mom's plumbing, or, you know, you can go to someone's house or your commercial uh, clients and say, Hey, we're going to train at your place today. You'll get a clean grease trap and we get a train on real equipment. So how's that? So, you know, things like that. And then um, uh, on the job training is usually no training. On-the-job training is usually somebody watching someone else for like 20 years, and that is not very effective unless you leverage that on-the-job training with a checklist and and a an assignment. Okay. Today you're going to do a Sloan valve on the urinal. That's great. I'm going to ask you about it when you get back, here's the checklist, let him do it. You watch unless he's going to hurt himself. Like you get some direction and leverage the moments that you have on, on the job training, then you're going to be able to escalate that training. But I tell you, this has really got our attention. That's why we have, um, Amy Hunt is our new training and education director. Um, She's going to be focusing on getting our content in more um, digestible form. And that's going to be through learning management software. Uh, You know, there's artificial intelligence is helping us. You know, our connection with service tightness is, is going to deepen over uh, the upcoming months and years, I hope. And so I want to use all these cool digital tools we have to make it easier. Video, like why don't we have lined up video for absolutely everything we expect our guys yeah. to do. Short snippets, really, you know, um, because that's right. the attention span we're dealing with.
0: Yeah. No. And I, and I get it. And I, that's obviously what we built with our, with my training app is like, I, I wanted to make it engaging and make it easy. So like my guys can go watch the videos at home and be able to know exactly how I want to call ran, how, how to overcome objections, how to communicate to customers, how to, you know, just pr- how to be a presentable technician. Right. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that, you know, I wish I would have known, like when I got it, my, we had a little bit of classroom training. Right. And then they said, here, go out there and figure it out. And, you know, figuring out takes time, right? Like trying to figure out, go through the motions and you're like, dude, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. You got to learn. So we're trying to figure out, you know, that's why we've been able to scale my business quickly. So I'm able to take those technicians and try to get them out in the field quicker, the quicker they go make me money. So like I have guys, you know, that we were, I met a couple, couple guys at like a uh, restaurant one night, right? Right. And I met him in a restaurant, started talking to the guy. I said, I do HVAC and I own an HVAC company, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, cool. I said, come on. I said, it was like a, it was Sunday. I said, show up tomorrow morning and I'm going to get you, we'll interview you. We'll have a conversation. He shows up the next day and he thought I was bullshitting. He didn't know who I was. Right. And he shows up and, and he's like, well, I'm like, I want you to become a technician. He was, he seemed like a good communicator, knew nothing about HVAC. And within, you know, six weeks he's out in the field. And now in the last month, he made over, like, I want to say he made $25,000 as a technician last month. This is only, he's only been in the field for five months. And Oh, that's you know, a this good kid, story. Yeah, and this is not, he's not the only one. I have like probably three, four, five, six, probably seven guys at this point. And most of my, on my, on my technician side has never worked anywhere else. And the power of that is that they don't know any bad, they don't know any bad, bad habits. They don't know any, they don't know any other way to do things, but the way that we do it. And every time I found that every time I brought a technician from another company in their habits were so messed up that we were trying to fix them all the time and it didn't work. So now we we literally take almost every one of our technicians has to go, you know, come through our training program has to come through. I, I prefer they've never even gone to trade school. Cause I feel like the trade schools nowadays are doing so much disservice to these technicians. They're taking their money. They're not really teaching them how to even become job, like be good on their job. Uh, they get out of, t- they get out of trade school. They got a $15,000 debt. They don't know shit. Mm -hmm. I can't hire them. And all of a sudden they tell them they're going to get hired. I'm like, dude, I can pay you minimum wage. That's what I can pay you because that's the skill set you have right now. And they're not happy, right? So you know, if you guys are looking at trade schools, make sure that they actually have a proven track record, which I don't know any of them that really do, about getting guys actually prepared to do the job. And which i think is unfair to what's going on but you know for me we have a training facility here in california we train them from scratch we teach them everything they need to know and then we give them an opportunity to make more money than they've ever made uh and that's how that's how we've been able to scale and that's how we've been able to control the product because people are like how could you be one of the most expensive on the market but you continuously get five-star reviews every single day like we don't ever really get bad reviews it's because we train it the right way we bring value we teach processes that makes a customer feel good about making a decision
1: so good. That's really inspiring. I, you know, I'm, I knew when we got on the phone today that you were going to inspire me and you, you always do. I mean, I love that. You've been able to, to grow that fast. You take so many objections Off the table. It doesn't take 30 years to grow a big company. And if you've taken 30 years and now you see that you want to do something different, the point of power is always now. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, uh, take a steep growth curve from this hot minute. Which I, you know, if that's what you want, then, you know, I think Victor, your story is encouraging. Thank yeah you. and and I
0: try to help as many people like obviously sometimes it just takes a it takes enough sometimes they have to get beaten down enough to finally realize like hey enough is mm-hmm. enough and I got to change right and yeah. if I can get one person to stop doing what they're doing because they just they keep going in the same watering hole every day and there's no water left in that shit and they're getting tired they burn out and even the the company I just acquired the guys mm-hmm. like dude I'm at my wits end right and now I made him a partner. So I rolled, I rolled him into absolute airflow. And now all of a sudden he's like, holy shit, this is different. Like I wish I'd been doing this for the last, you know, 20 years. I would, we wouldn't be where I'm like, yeah, this is the same thing I preach to people every day. Stop doing what you're doing because if it's not working, stop it. Like just do not do it anymore. Take that shit out back and shoot it in the head. Like we're done. We don't do this. <laughs> and like, I had to have the conversation with his dispatchers day one. I'm like, they were about to do uh they're about to go do a dishwasher install. And I'm like, do we don't do dishwasher installs anymore. Do you go ahead? We'll have a referral partner. They can go install dishwashers. I'm like, they're like, why? And I'm like, what are we going to get out of that? 500 bucks. Then we scratch a floor. How much money do we make? Or we do this. How much money do we make? Oh, well, I didn't think about that. I'm like, have you guys scratched any floors? They're like, yeah, we have. And I'm like, did you make any money or did you lose a bunch of money? Think like, we lost money. Stop doing shit that doesn't make money. Uh, I had a guy, he heard me on, his wife heard me on a podcast I was on about a month or about two weeks ago. And he's a plumber in, uh, I want to say he's in Pennsylvania, right? A plumber in Pennsylvania, husband and wife running the show. They have, it's him and one other technician. They're not making They're not making the money. They want to grow. The wife wants to grow. Well, the wife reached out to me. She found me somehow. She hunted me down. She said, hey, I got to get on the phone call with you. We started talking to him and, and the same thing. She's like, I want to make money. We keep doing the same shit over and over. What do we got to do? And I was like, okay, which jobs do you do? They're like, we do this, this, and this. I'm like, do any of those make you any money? They're like, Well, they get us more customers. I don't give a shit how many customers you have. Is it making you money? If it doesn't make money, stop fucking doing it. And a lot of guys just have a hard time. Just they want to take every single call and every customer and everybody. And you just can't do it.
1: Well, you know, along those lines too, I get those phone calls as well. And um, I was that woman, right? I was married to um, uh, a plumber and we were at odds with each other. And I think in the early days, we did a lot of damage to our relationship. Now I'm still married. 38 years I've been married to Hot Rod. But at first, um, we did so much damage that I don't think we would have ever recovered and so we couldn't work together. Like the scars were there. People do things to people they love they would never do to an employee or a stranger or anything else, right? There's There's a lot of those dysfunctional family businesses out there. And my encouragement is you don't have to work together. We decided not to work together. I had visions of a big company and you can see I'm living my dream. My husband has no interest in this. And so what was happening, and this is often the case, is I wanted my husband to be different. Is that going to go anywhere? Are you going to have a good relationship if that's what you're after? I wish you were different. I mean, now I look at it and I realize that was just a path that was going to break us up. So if you don't, if you guys aren't on the same page, either father, son or husband, wife or brothers, like you can go. I know that sounds awful in the moment, but it was the best thing for us because we allowed each other to be who we wanted to be, to do what we wanted to do. And that's why we're still together. So like I I, I totally feel that. And I know that can Right now, it seems like, why did we even fuss about it? It was obvious. But at the time, it was very emotional and a really hard moment for us.
0: It, and it's hard to it's hard to pull the band aid right because there is that relationship there, and a lot of times it's you know you know father son or brother and brother right, and the same thing and and the same thing like the company I just just partnered with you know the one brother just he's so used to the, the chuck in the truck stuff and and his brother's like I want I got big dreams I want to do this I'm seeing all these other guys grow these big businesses and it was a big fight all the time and now mm-hmm. I ended up keeping them both on. And both are happy now. One gets to just go be the technician. The other one's helping me grow this business, and he's excited to see what we can do. Right, and it, they, they don't have to split up the business. They just had to. They both had to stop having control. And once they realized they stopped having control. that's a nice option. Yeah, it's a really
1: nice option. Yeah, and yes. you know, um, Mary Jean Anderson. Do you know her? Do you know her? Yeah, in, uh, uh, in San Plumens. Diego. Right? She's in yeah. San Diego, and. I did a podcast with her uh, for PHCP pros behind the wall. It's so good. She's so interesting. I've known her forever and I don't want to tell her story. She's the one to tell it, but her life was really um, uh, a series of who's going to be in charge. And back and forth and this and that and and the case beers too. radiant plumbing in Austin, low ego, big mission with those two. So husband wife team who are willing to step into CEO and get out of CEO and the other one would step in. And then they had another person in. like they were willing, small ego, big mission is a great way to run your business. Like who's the best person for the job at this point in your career is is some is a conversation to have. In any business, particularly in a family business,
0: hundred oh, percent well, Ellen, we're kind of getting to the to running out of time here. I mean you oh, can always talk what? all day all day all, all day all day long, yeah Thank we can you. talk all day long, but I am excited though Ellen is going to be speaking at the service rocket Growth Summit in October. Uh, she's gonna be part Woo. of one of our women's pa- women's panel where we're trying to bring up you know women in the industry. A little bit different, so I'm not going to be talking about what it's like to be a woman in the industry. We're going to talk about the things that you guys are doing to impact the industry and, and how we think going forward, how we can it continue to grow, and we hope that we can inspire more more women to step into executive roles, leadership roles, technician roles, stuff like that is, is what my goal of this whole thing is. So I'm excited to see you in October. It's the first time we're going to meet in person, so it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, well, you guys I'm a have- big
1: fan. So uh, I'm president of the, the Victor Anchor Fan Club, so just so you know. <laughs>
0: So if anybody's looking to, if anybody's listening to this and they said, man, I, I really am interested in what it would be, what it would take to become a zoom drain partner, own a zoom drain franchise. Where do they, where do they go? How do they have that conversation? Uh, can you give a little detail on that?
1: Absolutely. So, um, uh, zoom drain franchise.com zoom drain franchise.com is a great place to go. You put your name and email address in there and then you'll be on our list and you'll reach out, uh, reach out to them. Or you can email me Roar at zoom drain.com R O H R at zoom drain.com.
0: Awesome. And if you guys haven't reached yeah. out, even if you even if you guys just have questions, conversation, Ellen is someone that you can just reach out, have that conversation, see if it's a good fit, or maybe she could even give you some direction. She's great at that. So, you know, obviously I've had multiple conversations with her. And it's always been, I, I think I feel like every time I leave a conversation, I learn a little bit more. Uh, Me and that's, too that's for a, you. That's what Me this is all about. Well, Ellen, I'm excited. I'm excited for October. I'm excited to see what Zoom Drain's doing. I know I've seen you guys as trucks now in California all the time. I see them driving up and down the freeway. You know, the funny thing is the first time I saw it, I'm like, that's got to be a Dan Antonelli truck. I didn't know at first, but I'm like, I called Dan. I'm like, Hey, who's this? He's like, Oh, this is, a, Oh, that's a franchise. And I'm like, I thought it was just a new company or a company had rebranded in my area. So the trucks stand out. Um, it seems like everybody that, you know, does business with you guys is really happy. So, uh, reach out to Ellen if you're interested in partnering or or creating a, a Zoom Drain franchise. It's a great opportunity to make some money for you and your family. Ellen is a pleasure. I can't wait to oh, see yeah. you soon, and uh, we're going to talk offline a little bit about some other stuff. So, thank you guys yeah. for tuning in. To- yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Service Rocket uh, podcast, episode number six. Uh, we have an exciting guest on. We just got done mentioning his name. Dan Antonelli is going to be on episode number seven, uh, coming out next week, talking about his new book uh, from uh, from Kick, Car- Kick Charge Creative. He's also going to be speaking at the Service Rocket Growth Summit. If you haven't got your tickets yet, go to servicerocketnetwork.com. Get signed up today, and we can't wait to see you guys in October. See ya.